Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast. Thanks to the good people at KO. Um, this is the Hungarian Grand Prix. Trevor along with you, joined by Conor McNally and Harry Tucker. Boys, before we go anywhere, Harry, should you watch it? What should you watch? Highlight. How should you take it in? Highlights. Yep. Connor? Oh, that's a hard one because I actually want to say the whole race because there was so much drama right through the entire event. But there's also a part of me that says, go for the highlights. I'm just going to go wing it. Go for the whole race because it was just entertaining from the moment the race uh, went, you know, went go to right the end of the race. Fantastic. I, I love your passion for the sport and I share your passion, but I don't share your willingness to watch the whole race. So <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be leaving a little note for the boys uh, mm. to watch the highlights. That's how I do it. Yeah, that's and- fair enough. Uh, you can do that as well on KO. You can check out the KO Mini, KO Highlights, and um, each and every race weekend you can check out all the sessions live. Every bit of Sky Sports coverage is available on KO Sports, and uh, we do the show. Thanks to KO. So join up, sign up, it's only 25 bucks a month. You can get everything, all the F1 and all the sport you could ever need. So the race overall, boys, this was uh, wow. How do we even begin if you um, – if you haven't seen the headlines yet, you're obviously living under a rock or you haven't turned a radio on. And this is the very first thing you do in the morning. And for that, we thank you. Um, but also Esteban, feel sorry for you. Yeah, there is <laughs> there is a part of me that agrees. Um, Esteban Ocon, race winner. I mean, those words, Harry, I'm not sure anyone would have expected to come out of our mouths this year. I don't know if you're more unexpected or more disappointed to go in by the uh, the chat as we were watching the race. Oh. Uh, but, you know, if it was going to be a track that some kind of madness of an unexpected driver was going to end up at the front and win, it was going to be this one on Monaco and it ended up happening and it was Esteban and, and it was also Seb in, in P2, which I think, yeah, I'm happy about and I think a lot of people are happy about as well. And I think, um, Connor, the, the top five, uh, Esteban Ocon, Sebastian Vettel, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso, an amazing weekend for Alpine. We'll get to the teams and the drivers in a minute. But just in terms of the race, that, that opening lap, that first corner, it was pretty much just uh, bowling ball uh, Valtteri. <laughs> pretty much, isn't it? Like he, he, he was the bowling ball in a, in a massive you know, sea of pins as they headed down to turn one. We always expected that turn one was always going to be, you know, the chaos corner. And at Hungaroring, it is always the case. But when you add water to the mix, it throws a whole new cat amongst the pigeons and did a what tonight? It, I mean, up to five drivers all went out in that first lap alone. So not just Valtteri Bottas, we lost Lando Norris. We lost Charles Leclerc, we lost Sergio Perez, we also lost Lance Stroll. That's mm. how big the the whole thing happened. You know, and, it had a crescendo effect. And I think it was interesting because there was there was rain. Uh, we knew there was going to be rain from about forty five minutes out. They said it was going to rain soon, and it did. Um, it didn't seem bad, but I think mm. as soon as they did formations, they realised it was bad, and it was definitely going to be an inter start. Every single uh, car was on inters except um, Alpha Gia. Oh, what was he on? He, he was on slicks. Yeah, he went to mediums. <laughs> uh, that's a genius move, but actually didn't um, didn't harm him too badly off the actual line. I don't, it was, it I was don't know what a, happened with him. Yeah, because like, he, he was on there, and then you wouldn't have thought he needed to change his tires when everyone else pit after that. But then Sky just did not cover whatever happened to his strategy because he could have just been in front, the only person not needing to pit, and yeah. there's nothing about it. 
But I think what, what's fascinating is just the fundamental, uh, I think we often refer to it as the F1 2020 or F1 2021 now, the gamer's um, response to an opening start like that. It, it was a rookie mistake that Valtteri made. He he was essentially late on the brakes, too hard on the brakes, and skidded on in, in a wet circumstance, skidded into Lando Norris, which then pushed Lando into Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, um, and it was fundamentally just, you know, bowling ball, as we said. But then interestingly, up the inside, a separate incident, you had Lance Stroll uh, move desperately through to the, the apex and across the apex to try and avoid um, Charles Leclerc. But actually, like, went right up the side of him. And Harry, he ripped that Ferrari to shreds, pushed that Ferrari into Daniel Ricciardo, which spun Daniel Ricciardo around. And so that first corner was a, you know, eight-car carnage. Yeah, and as you said, it was just from those those they were, they were very similar mistakes in the sense of mm. they both misjudged in the wet where their line was where their braking line was um locked up and or didn't have room and then then took a few people out i think for valtteri though i think it's like just devastating for him that he's probably the absolute nail in the coffin for his seat at mercedes i'm sure we'll get onto that that later but that was just a massive gut punch for him yeah, he, he's um, Valtteri Bottas is very lucky. Fernando Alonso existed to um, mm. help help hold back Lewis from a win because it would have looked a lot worse for Valtteri if he got a win out of it. But you know, Connor, I think that Valtteri's performance on that opening lap was just one of a million things that happened that that created a very different circumstance here because then you had everyone um, they had they had to red flag the race because there was just so many cars in different parts of the track so much carbon fiber spread all over the joint mm. that it was almost impossible to even consider um, you know running them around out of safety cars so they red flagged it which allowed everyone to work on the cars which most people needed but Honestly, the next five minutes after the race restart, after the cars left the pits, was the apart from Indianapolis in whatever year, Connor, you'll remind me when there was only four cars on the grid. <laughs> it was the most weird thing I've ever seen. Lewis Hamilton on the grid for a restart, lights go out, and it's just Lewis, Connor. It's just Lewis, and it was 2005 that we saw only six cars on the grid for the US Grand Prix. That's how long ago it was, but that was just, like, utterly bizarre. Everyone pitted to go on to slicks because the track had just dried out so much in between the race, you know, stopping into the race restarting, and Lewis basically stayed on, on intermediates. A horrible call from Mercedes, and they basically chased their tail from that point on right through to the end of the race. Uh, I mean, but look, Harry, they had plen they in, plenty in, of opportunities in to Mercedes win. In Mercedes' defence, though, Connor, yeah. it's, it's actually Lewis's fault because Mercedes can't communicate with the driver. Mercedes can't tell the driver what to do on the formation lap mm. or on the grid, right, Harry? So I think that actually is an interesting thing about Lewis is – was Lewis just expecting to be told? Did he not have the now like others? I think it was George Russell that called out that everyone's going to come in. That's one thing, Harry. And the second thing is, if he had come in, what would have happened? <laughs> there would have been no one on the grid. Yeah, is that? Do they just do the lights and then no one yeah, goes they? and then people yeah, come I'd out? Say so, the, yeah. Like just yeah. Standard starting procedure, and everyone just uh, you know starts the race from pit I lane. Mean, they just leave. It, it was as you said before. Like it was even just having Lewis there was extremely strange. Like it was, it was cool, but it was it was weird. <laughs> but in terms of that, do you reckon there was even just 
I don't know if you'd call it arrogance, but like I thought that maybe if they, you know, if they tried a different strategy at the start there, maybe it was a little bit, he thought it could be a little bit wetter. So they need a few laps for the track to dry out to get max speed out of those slicks and he could get a lap or two in to, to get more of a lead or I don't know. I, I, I think there could have been a little bit of that in play too. I think that um, what I find fascinating about my love-hate relationship with Lewis Hamilton and the sport of Formula One overall in many <laughs> senses, my, my my feelings towards Lewis was, um, dude, you should have gone into the pits. Um, you really stuffed that up. And then I've never laughed so hard as when his <laughs> radio message came on. He came into the pits one lap in. Everyone else was on, on slicks. He came in, changed tyres, went out again, and then, I don't know, halfway around the lap went, Am, am I last? Like with that tone too. And it's like, dude, yeah, you're last. <laughs> but then the, the, the love-hate thing really messed up with me because then it's like, holy shit, this guy's going to, he's going to charge through the field. He even stopped additional times and was still in third place at the end. So you have to give some respect to the bloke. Uh, that was a phenomenal performance. Hmm. It was. It was. In, I know Fernando won driver of the day, and he he deserved as well. But but Lewis should definitely be sort of equal with his drive today too. Connor, the the Fernando Alonso part of the race was probably the most important part um, mm. because he held Lewis up in the most respectable racer format. Like you watch, watch the way Lewis raced with Alonso, and it's different to the way he raced with anyone else because there's a known respect there. But Jesus, he held him off uh, for at least three laps longer than oh. he, 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 anyone else could have, and that actually um, essentially handed the, the the win to Ocon. Yeah, and look, fair play to Fernando. He really took it up to, to Lewis Hamilton, and the fact is Fernando knows the ins and outs of Lewis Hamilton. He was mm. former teammates to Lewis at McLaren, and let's not forget they didn't have a very strong relationship in their one year that they were together. So they don't; those two don't really like each other personally, but there is a tremendous amount of respect between them regardless. I mean, that was a long time ago, that, of that course. rivalry. Of <laughs> course. I know. I know it was a long time ago. Patch some stuff up in between. I'm sure. But, yeah, as I said, I don't think they like each other that much at all because of that. what happened way back then. But as you said, water under the bridge. But the respect was tremendous. And the fact that Fernando was able to really take it up to, to Lewis at certain parts of the track and hold his nerve against Hamilton, that definitely was the deciding factor in, in allowing Ocon to go on winning the race. Because if Ocon, if, if Hamilton had passed um, Alonso at that point, I think we would have seen Hamilton win the race. So that was just brilliant tactics there by Alonso to basically defend his teammate and make sure that Alpine get their first win in Formula One. But Harry, the elephant in the room is the processional nature of the race, yeah. which didn't feel mm. as bad today because we were watching an Alpine ahead of an Aston Martin, ahead of a Ferrari. I mean, it was an interesting mix. You had, well, let's be clear, we'll talk about the teams in a minute. You had Alpha Towers in there. You got Williams both in the points. There's a lot going on here we'll cover. But the, the bottom line here is we had a 70-lap race through which 55 laps was a procession where... Max Verstappen couldn't pass Daniel Ricciardo, and I understand they're they damaged cars, but it doesn't matter. You've you've got a real problem with the sport when that much of the race is essentially fast forwardable, Harry. Yeah, you know we say this every week as well, and it's I, I don't know what we think is going to be different by talking about it, but it's just the state of Formula One in mm. the sense that you know these cars we we know they're just so aerodynamic dependent is that. Even when you've got 
you know, the, it was almost like a reverse grid uh, <laughs> after after the crash. And you've got that, and there's only really one car, and, and you know, one of the greatest drivers of all time who's actually able to overtake in this reverse grid, which I think it was just a massive highlight that that how bad. I guess the state of the racing is in this generation, you know, it, it'll, it'll get missed because, you know, we had the exciting start and there was the big crash and the teams were in different orders, but it, it's still the same middle of the race, literally nothing happens. And mm. then you spend the whole race talking about tire strategy. And which, Connor, I think Harry's right. Yeah. The, the problem is these things get missed because we look back. Mm. I mean, Connor, you're one of those people that has a mind that will remember the, the specifics of this race for years to come. But I think other people will just look at the result and go, that was an amazing race because Esteban Ocon won uh, mm. and Lewis came through the field. Those are the things that people kind of etch into the history books as opposed to the, the processional nature. And I, I wonder whether that's enough because I wonder in this kind of Netflix generation whether the Drive to Survive episode of this is actually going to be, uh, you know, a ratings winner and a, a draw card for Formula One, Connor. Yeah, very. It's going to be very interesting on how Netflix will actually portray this particular race. Look, I'm sure it'll be a ratings winner when Drive to Survive comes out. It, it'll be dependent on how well they edit the the actual race itself and how they tell the story. You're right. The procession didn't make it. A memorable race until at least the last 15 laps. But, I mean, there were certain key moments. I mean, Max Verstappen being out of the points for most of it and have and basically dealing with a damaged car, that was kind of often overlooked at the best of times. We knew that he was out of the points for a fair while, but there was another big talking point as well, McLaren finishing out of the points. And, you know, with that, without Lando Norris being up there, Daniel, Daniel Ricciardo struggled so badly. Mm. So, you know, there's so many different sub-stories in there that – have been often overlooked in this particular race because of what's been going on at the front and with Hamilton and, you know, it, yeah, there's so much to basically digest into this. Yeah, all right. Well, let's let's dig into a bit of that um, and we do it all. Thanks to KO. And if you haven't got KO, get it. Uh, 25 bucks a month gets you all the sport in Australia, everything you could possibly want from NRL to AFL to V8 supercars and, of course, Formula One every session. Um, it's been one of my favourite things, looking back on the last 10 years, imagine 10 years ago watching every single session of Formula 1 live and also having um, the full Sky Sports coverage. I mean, uh, as much as I love the old days of, uh, you know, Aussie hosts uh, hosting the thing just to give it a bit of locality, it's uh, it's awesome to see the full F1 coverage and you can get it all on KO. Um, let's talk teams, Harry. Um, I think for me what's most fascinating is, apart from the top, is Alpha Towery sixth and seventh, and Williams eighth and ninth? Look at that, Williams first points since well in a few years for them so since twenty eighteen. Congratulations there. But with Williams, I will say is why is the Mercedes talk about getting uh, George Russell up there when he's not even the leader in the championship for his team this year? Let's get Latifi into that Mercedes seat campaigning now. Mm. <laughs> i can send sarcasm there for that but, I, but, but you know what I, i'm actually surprised actually i thought it was a very good call by george russell tonight to sacrifice his own race to say hey latifi's ahead of me right now don't worry about me focus on latifi let's let's get the points let's focus on making sure we finish this race so that was a very very strategic and probably a selfless call from from George Russell to do that. And look, in the end, Latifi did finish ahead of George, 
But the most important thing is for Williams, first point since 2018, that is going to help that team's morale a long, long way going into the second half of the season as well. Let's Great also result. remember, Harry, that George, when he was, I'm going to say, fifth or sixth, um, and Latifi was third, came on the radio and said, whatever you need to do, if it means sacrificing my race to pit me early or whatever you need to, to look after Nicky, um, do it. And I, I just think that's such a that's such a great team uh, player. Do you that, think that's an audition? Uh, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. a very good point. That's an audition. I think it is. Point. It Toto, is. Toto's going to hear that, and he's like, yep, that's what we want to hear. This yeah. boy's ready to sacrifice everything for Lewis. Yeah, but Toto also just, you know, had one driver under team orders just take out all the key, com- key competitors. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's my take on the opening lap. <laughs> <It's> team, orders, <laughs> team orders got Lewis Hamilton the, back at the lead of the championship, which we'll cover yeah. shortly. Um, a disappointing one for McLaren in a, in a very, very big way. Um, Lando, you know, Lando and Daniel, frankly, looked good off the start. Um, mm. Lando obviously was up in the grid, but, you know, he was taken out. Daniel got spun. Daniel got going again. Lando had to be retired into the garage. Um, you know, aside from the fact that there was an incident that caused it, again, I, I talk about the the takeaways as opposed to the analysis. The takeaway here is Dan failed, um, and the headlines are what will haunt him. Um, you know, finishing out of the points, um, not making any ground, all those kind of things are what get reported as opposed to the. The knowledge here is Daniel should be able to walk away going, well, I did the best I could with a smash car and whatever, but it doesn't look good for McLaren, and that's that's a disappointing thing for them, Connor. Oh, yeah, it, it's a very, very terrible look for McLaren, scoring no points tonight, very much in a Red Bull situation this time round. And the worst thing is for Daniel, not only did he finish out the points, he got lapped by both Alpines, which is a real kick in the nuts for Daniel because, you know, he left that team on pretty good terms last year when they were known as Renault and now to go to McLaren when he had such high expectations to carry some really good form into McLaren and be really competitive. And the fact that he's nowhere near that pace, he's been struggling since uh, you know qualifying yesterday. And yeah, it's going to hurt his morale in a big way. But and that's what gonna... I mean about the, the takeaways, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's kind of not even relevant that it was Alpine in front. You know, they're... they're with respect, they're only in front because of situ- – Exactly. It doesn't, yeah. The Alpine didn't suddenly become a better car. Esteban Ocon didn't suddenly become a better driver. Now, let me be clear, and let's talk drivers individually, and let's talk about Esteban Ocon because he won the race, and let me be – he won fair and square. Um, yeah. He led um, from the get-go of the restart, and Sebastian couldn't pass him. And he didn't make a mistake. Now, the, the best example of that is to look at the helicopter view of turn one of um, Alonso. And I think, who was the other person I saw near the end do it? But a little lockup cost you a, a, the, the, the spot. A little tiny lockup was all you need to get under, under someone and take that position. Ocon didn't do that. Seb never had the opportunity to get underneath him. And Harry, that's what actually counts here for, for Esteban is... The, to show that he is, um, you know, level-headed enough to lead a race and and win. Oh yeah, like don't, don't get me wrong. When I say that it was situational that they were up there, it's not no discredit to to Esteban's drive because he he held Seb for essentially the entire race mm. when he was a you know one one ish seconds behind him, um, and you know the the cars I guess are, are pretty even, but but obviously at that point in the race and you expect you know in a normal track to be overtaken so 
he did a really good job there and he definitely deserves that that victory and i'm i'm you know he knows this a little bit sometimes but i'm genuinely happy for him yeah and uh, connor i think that um the other driver i think that's fascinating to look at is carlos um his uh, the wherewithal he had during the race around you know the situational awareness of lewis's position and the fact that he was his biggest threat i mean you go you rewind and carlos knew that like 20 laps in he knew that lewis the one was the one that had Mm. to keep an eye on and he was right which is fascinating which is also why he sounded gutted when he got past oh absolutely and look carlos wanted to make amends from qualifying yesterday when he he basically spun himself sliding into the wall at the final quarter and basically qualifying 15 so basically he had a race ahead of him um and luckily for him all those incidents at turn one helped his cause to get up the field he had a fantastic car all through the race once the race dried out and yeah, you're right. From that that point, twenty laps before the end, he knew Lewis was coming. As soon as he knew that Lewis pitted, yeah, he knew that um, yeah he was a he was a target of man, and he was mm. right. And when Hamilton got past, you could just hear that despair in his voice. It was yeah, he wanted that podium more than anyone else, I think. And uh, yeah, it just fell just a tiny bit short. But look, a great race for Carlos. He's really stepped up since joining Ferrari, and he's basically taken up to to Charles Leclerc in a big way too. So. I think, and look, he's not that far off in terms of the championship points as well. In that battle between the two, who's going to be the leading Ferrari driver at the end of the season, that is going to be fascinating to watch. Harry, um, Yuki Tsunoda had, I think, a disappointing day, despite a a great seventh-place finish. Mm. But his teammate, um, once again, proved himself to be the absolute leader of that team. Um, So kind of, you know, win-lose there for AlphaTauri. Oh, yeah. It was... It, they ended up in the in a lucky spot there. Um, unfortunate for Yuki not to end up higher than he was, but I think for them the 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 biggest part uh, that Marco will be happy about is that they got the fastest lap mm. and took that point away from Mercedes and, mm. and basically got the only point for Red Bull um, by subtraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Connor. Um, championship standings. What's it? Uh, what's it looking like for constructors? Well, let's have a look at constructors first. Let me tell you, Mercedes are back in front by 10 points. So Mercedes, 300 points, Red Bull 290. The battle for third is now much tighter. McLaren still leading that battle on 163, despite the fact they got no points tonight. But Ferrari, 160. The battle for fifth in the championship is also interesting because AlphaTauri lost out greatly tonight. They went from fifth to seventh. Alpine... With that win and fifth place tonight, puts them into fifth on 75 points, about nine ahead of Aston Martin on 66, Alpha Terry now on 64. In eighth is Williams on six that? points. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. And they're ahead of Alpha Romeo. And that's millions of bucks, you know. <laughs> it for, is. For, for them, because the chances of Hass and Alpha scoring many points is, is as high as it is for really Williams. So those that four-point differential between Williams and Alfa Romeo is actually a bloody lot of points when you consider the, the you know, maybe 10th, maybe ninth that uh, the odd car might get across the year. Yeah, so you're going to need five, you know, if we're going to assume that their points are probably going to come from 10th place, then they're going to need five 10th places to, to get mm-hmm. ahead. So drivers, uh, Connor, how's that looking? It's looking very, very interesting now because Lewis Hamilton... He's back in the championship lead, 192 mm. points to 186 of Max Verstappen. So a seven-point lead Verstappen had is now a six-point lead for Lewis Hamilton. Lando Norris still in third position on 113. Valtteri still in fourth on 108. 
Sergio is still in fifth on 104. Charles Leclerc is still in sixth on 80 points, but he now shares that sixth place with Carlos Sainz. So they are now equal in that battle. So that fight, as I said, for the leading Ferrari driver is going to get very intense in the second half of the season. Daniel Ricciardo, 50 points. Sebastian Vettel now in ninth on 48, ahead of Pierre Gasly on 48. And what's fascinating to me is we've we're only like halfway through the season at best. We're about to go into a little uh, uh, summer break for the F1 teams, a bit of a shutdown and all that. Uh, we come back uh, 27th of August. We'll still be in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, um, Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, then we go Netherlands. That's going to be epic. I mean, just because I just I actually want to see it. I actually want to see the Dutchies go crowd go, go crazy for Max and that circuit at least in the sim is is fun. Mm. Um, what's most fascinating though is the conversation around calendar changes. So Japan is scheduled for the eighth and tenth of October, but it's looking given that they're having their highest COVID cases. The government's not getting much uh, positivity around the fact that it's happening. There's Olympics happening while there's an outbreak still occurring. And, and the boss of the Circuit of the Americas was at the, the the event today in Hungary. And on the Circuit of the Americas website, Ted pointed this out and I looked at it. They're actually getting people's expressions of interest into, would you come to both races if we held two? So it seems pretty clear to me that round 17 is going to be Japan and yes to uh, the United States. And uh, two races at the Circuit of the Americas, maybe we do one as a sprint race, one one without. I, I, I'm all in on that. Mm. Yeah, I am too. Just, uh, sorry, I was just, I got the, the Twitter feed open at the same time and some interesting news just came yeah. through. About, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to disturb yeah. it. Go, go ahead, Harry. Well, it looks like Sebastian Vettel, Carlos Sainz, uh, Valtteri and Lance Stroll have all been summoned over pre-race procedure of wearing rainbow colours. Um, so because they wore because rainbow colours? Yeah, which would potentially mean a find. Yeah, I mean, why would you? F- I mean, it's just it's just getting a little bit silly, really, isn't it? Um, but yeah, they're talking about a fine and a reprimand. It's not like they're going to um, lose positions or points but, or something. But for, but... Like, what are they trying to do? Like, what are they? <laughs> Look, I won't lie. I was watching Olympics instead of the pre-race. I, I just had it on in the background just in case anything big happened on the screen. But I didn't watch the we races one message on that, so I don't know what happened. But oh, I know. I, just, I saw Seb wearing a rainbow yeah. uh, mask after the race. I just don't understand what F1 gains from this. But anyway. Yeah, well, Luke Smith, mm. who um, writes for uh, um, Autosport, says, honestly unsure what this precisely relates to. The document cited covers a three-minute period in terms of driver actions and duties. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is just the, the pickiness of, um, of the procedures. But in the same way... The reason they have those procedures is so that they have a united, you know, set of drivers on the grid for the anthems and all those things. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be a stickler, you got to be a stickler for everything. So, um, th- that'll be uh, that'll be fascinating. But um, yeah, we've still got a big like. Here's what's fascinating, right? As we go into um, our winter break, their summer break, it's it's barely we haven't even hit halfway, and it is head to head. Not, it's not like anything could happen because it's really it's you know Max and Lewis. Let's be clear, but there's a lot on the line in terms of those um, lower level points. There's driver changes. There's driver um, you know issues with you know second seats and stuff. I think we've got a fascinating little uh, winter break and uh, first few races coming back, Harry. Oh yeah, look, obviously 
headlined in the winter break by the driver changes with that Mercedes seat um, mm-hmm. as we as we move forward there. But then, yeah, going into Spa and the Netherlands, I think, you know, the next, what, three weeks of, of mm. driver market and then a couple of good races, I think, is a good a good couple of months for Formula 1. Yeah. Um, and if there is major driver market changes in that period of time, we might come back and have a chat about it. But broadly, we're looking at a return for, uh, for Belgium at the end of August. And, hey, none of us have got anything to do for the next three weeks anyway. So there is that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but regardless, we're only uh, what? So what is that? That's eleven rounds. That's uh, yeah. So we're, yeah. we're almost at the halfway point of the championship. So. Yeah, eleven out of what are they trying to get to? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. Yeah. There's still got a big TBC in November. I. They're saying Qatar. They've been reporting in the last few days that Qatar could be another potential venue to replace Australia. Which is that? Am I blanking on something? Uh, let me have a look at that for you. Um, if we they got they got oil dollars, they'll just build one. <laughs> well, no, well they they do the Qatar Motor GP, and it's um it's sure at the La Salle circuit, the La Salle circuit. So and they and they run that race under lights as well for Moto GP. So that could be another night race that track? they could do. It looks an interesting track. They've they've had a number of Moto GP events there in the past, but I'd I've, well it'd be interesting to see how Formula One go around the La Salle circuit. So mm. uh, yeah. Five point four kilometers. Yep, five point four kilometers. We should boycott that race just because it should have been the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah, good idea. The way I feel about it. Mm. Anyway, um, we'll see. We'll uh, we'll keep our eyes on everything happening in F one. You can follow us all on Twitter for that kind of retweets of all the world of F one over the winter break. I uh, I look forward to the driver market because you remember there's been some solid changes in this break over the last few years. That was when Dan announced his changes and stuff like that. So. You know, bit of fun ahead over the next few weeks, boys, but uh, hopefully some great racing in the second half of the year. I know we've had a little bit, but not a lot, um, and I just wouldn't mind a bit more exciting. I want, I want to recommend a whole race rewatch, and I don't <laughs> think we've had that this year, Harry. I don't think we have. I don't think we've ever done one as yet since the podcast began, so I'm keen for it. Yeah, well, don't hold your hopes. We might have to wait till 2022, and we don't even really know if that's going to be the case. <laughs> All right, boys, uh, get some rest. Yeah, you've got a lot of work to do. I don't know what, what, what Monday's like for you, but um, there's only four hours until wake-up time. So good luck with that, good and luck. we'll talk to you after the winter break here on the EFTM F1 podcast. See you, boys. See you. Bye.